Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having fantastic Friday afternoons as we roll into what I'm sure will be a busy weekend for everybody out there. Thank you. Thank you for making American Playbook one of the best-selling books in America. I've been on the road for almost two weeks now. Started off this week in New York City, Cleveland, Atlanta, Hundreds of you have come out to these book signings. You can go buy this right now at Amazon. It has been on the top 100 all week. Uh, one of the best-selling books in America. I'm hoping it's going to sell so many copies that even the New York Times is going to have to take note of it. So thank you to everyone out there who has been following uh, and buying and coming to all of our events. I am going to be in Salt Lake City Monday, in Houston, Texas Tuesday, in Tampa, Florida, Wednesday, Nashville, Tennessee on Thursday. That is this coming week, so I'm going to be back on the road again. And then the week after that, I will be up in uh, good old New York City as well as Milwaukee. Big event at the Pabst Theater in Milwaukee. I want to sell out that theater uh, for that event as well. But I just can't say thank you enough to all of you out there who have been buying this book. I'm a little bit late today because I just got off of Fox News breaking down the latest on the Hunter Biden indictment. We've got a lot of topics to discuss. But as I just said, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week, I will be out of town, so there will not be outkick the shows. I'll be back on Thursday, Friday of next week. Uh, we got a lot to talk about, so let's dive right into uh, Friday's big news. 12.15 Eastern, thereabouts, live while we were sitting on Clay and Buck. Merrick Garland announces that there is going to be a special counsel in the Hunter Biden case. What does this mean? I'm actually more optimistic than many people I've seen talking about this are, and let me explain why, and let me walk you through all of the details out there. So, first of all, for three years, the Biden administration has tried to avoid appointing a special counsel in the Hunter Biden case. It's been justified for three years. How much more need for a special counsel can there be than the president's own son is accused of multiple serious felonies and his Department of Justice is investigating and there is likely to be a substantial protection racket that is going on there. So first, the reason why this special counsel appointment happened was because Judge Mary Ellen Noriega in Delaware did exactly what I said she needed to do, and that was reject the sweetheart plea agreement that had been entered, in, entered into between Biden's Department of Justice and his own son that was designed to protect Hunter from any of the consequences of his actions. Judge Noriega looked at all of this and she said no, and that is why we now have a special counsel because she refused to rubber stamp this sweetheart deal. She did her duty as a judge, props to her for being independent, for actually having the testicular fortitude to stand up for truth and justice and equality under the law. So that is why this happened. Uh, now, I told you this was likely what would happen, that the plea agreement would fall apart and there would be a press, uh, special counsel appointed. Now, a lot of people are pointing to the special counsel appointment uh, being already Weiss, the the the, uh, the state's attorney who has been, uh, the U.S. attorney who has been investigating this case already. I think that certainly there is a concern 
that the fix is in based on this. But I've been watching coverage all day. What has been the number one thing that Democrats have said for years about Hunter Biden? It's not that serious. First, they said that the laptop was Russian disinformation, that none of it was real. Then they moved to, well, Hunter Biden was a drug addict. This is just about a son's drug addiction. There's nothing more here. Slowly, Democrats are being painted into a corner with this Hunter Biden case because the revelations continue to grow. So Judge Noriega, I believe, is a hero here. I also think the reason why this special counsel is being appointed is because of the work that's being done by the Oversight Committee as a result of the House uh, of Representatives being taken back over by Republicans. And what they have demonstrated, $20 million plus in payments to Hunter Biden while Joe Biden was in office as the vice president. I'm going to run through a lot of the allegations out there associated with Joe Biden that have now been proven or at least significantly incredibly alleged under oath about the connections between Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. But this now is forcing the New York Times, the Washington Post, ABC, NBC, CBS, the New York Times, the Washington Post, all of these different entities out there, CNN, MSNBC, that otherwise would be pretending that there is nothing to this story having to cover this. There is a reason why the Bidens did not want a special counsel appointed. It speaks to the level of significance and the fact that the cover-up is failing, that there now is a uh, special counsel investigation. What should happen? Okay, a lot of people out there saying, okay, Clay, what should happen? What should happen here is there should be charges immediately filed against Hunter Biden to ensure that what's already happened doesn't continue to happen, and that is the, that the statute of limitation runs out. There should be immediately filed a significant roster of felony allegations against Hunter Biden in uh, this uh, in, in these charges that would ensure that they don't run the clock out like they did on the tax filing uh, issues from when Joe Biden was in office. We should immediately have an indictment brought down, should have a grand jury as necessary, and we should have charges brought against Hunter Biden of a substantial variety. Now, there are lots of different directions that things can go once the charges are brought, but that at least eliminates the statute of limitation issue. So that's what should happen, number one. That's where the pressure uh, should be brought to bear. I also think this is important. We now have Merrick Garland painted into a corner here. Thanks to the brave testimony of the IRS whistleblowers, who brought to light the fact that Weiss said he didn't have the authority that he needed to investigate Hunter Biden, we now have Attorney General Merrick Garland going back on his word. He said there was no need for special counsel status. There was no need for special investigative powers because Weiss, the, uh, the state's attorney, the federal attorney in this case, did not need any additional uh, power in order to be able to conduct a full investigation. That has now been blown up on its absolute face. There is no way whatsoever to justify that argument any longer. It has turned into a lie, right? Remember, Merrick Garland said this was unnecessary for months. As recently as June, he said it was unnecessary for Weiss to be given special counsel powers. The only reason that this has occurred at all is because the government's attempt to 
walk the sweetheart deal through with Hunter Biden blew up thanks to Judge Noriega's willingness to actually ask basic procedural questions and do her job as an uh, judge should have done in this case. All right, several other uh, things out there that are important. Again, the media can no longer ignore this. You might have just seen me on Fox News. Uh, that's why I'm wearing my fancy shirt here. There's a lot of arguments still, and this is disappointing to me. A lot of media out there, New York Times, Washington Post, MSNBC, CNN, ABC, CBS, NBC, all of them still continue to say there has been no connection of Hunter Biden to uh, Joe Biden related to the $20 million that Hunter Biden received based on the Oversight Committee's investigation into bank records. That's a lie. You may not believe that it's significant enough, but there is tons of evidence that Joe Biden was, in fact, directly involved in Hunter Biden's business dealings. For instance, and I'm just going to run through some of them, Tony Bobolinsky has said that there was 10% reserved for the big guy. There are emails to reflect this. 10% for the big guy, certainly, uh, based on what Tony Bobolinsky has said, directly implicates Joe Biden. And let me say this, by the way, because I think this is important. Why did Joe Biden suddenly get so sloppy? I think it was because Obama picked Hillary as his chosen uh, as his chosen follower, and he overlooked Joe as his vice president. Remember, Obama never endorsed Joe Biden in the 2020 Democrat primary either. Why did Joe Biden behave so recklessly with his crackhead son? Because I think Joe Biden believed his political career was over, and that was why he decided to try to bank as much money as he could as he rode off into retirement. Remember, Biden thought that Hillary would beat Trump. That would mean that Hillary was running as the incumbent in 2020. He's doing the math, and he thinks, man, I'm way too old to be in a position to ever be president. He thought his political career was over and he decided to turn on the money spigot. That's why I believe he behaved so recklessly. 10% from the big guy from Tony Bobolinsky. This is just some of the evidence that is out there that Joe Biden is involved in Hunter's business dealing. There now is under oath testimony from Devin Archer that Joe Biden was making regular calls to Hunter's business partner. Indeed, Devin Archer says that Biden, Joe Biden, was the brand and that was the reason that Hunter was getting paid. Does anyone think that Hunter was getting paid because of his acumen? Of course not. He was a crackhead. There is a WhatsApp message where Hunter Biden says that his dad is sitting next to him and he better get a call from a Chinese Communist Party authority and he better get paid or else there will be hell to pay. Joe Biden sitting next to Hunter Biden according to Hunter's own uh, own WhatsApp message. The Burisma prosecutor was fired. Joe Biden bragged about getting that prosecutor in Ukraine fired. The prosecutor has come out and says Joe Biden was the reason that he got fired. Biden bragged that he did it. Burisma was paying tons of money to uh, Joe Biden. There are credible, to Hunter Biden, there are credible allegations in an FBI report 
that Joe and Hunter Biden each received $5 million in bribery payments in exchange for this Burisma relationship. And right after that, we'll continue the discussion. But first, a momentary break. A Russian oligarch paid $3.5 million after a meeting with the Bidens. That oligarch has never been put on any list of wrongdoers. There are tons of evidence, uh, element components out there, evidence components out there of a Department of Justice cover-up of the Hunter Biden investigation that has been driven by Joe Biden himself. These are just some of, some of the part and parcel, not to mention there's a voicemail from Joe Biden saying to Hunter Biden that a New York Times article is out and that he thinks Hunter Biden is in the clear. Have you ever said to someone who was innocent that they were in the clear based on an article that was written? Again, this is a voicemail. That's just some of the mountain of evidence that Joe Biden was involved in the shakedowns that Hunter Biden was undertaking to get tens of millions of dollars paid to multiple members of the Biden family through a variety of shell corporations. So every time I see someone say there's no evidence of any corruption involvement from Joe Biden, I say, are you crazy? Have you not looked at all of the evidence that is out there? All of this building on itself is very significant evidence that Joe Biden was directly involved in the criminal behavior of Hunter Biden. A true independent counsel would find these uh, connections and would levy all of these allegations against Joe Biden. Will David Weiss, the prosecutor who already agreed to a sweetheart deal for Hunter Biden, be willing or able to make all of these connections? I have my doubts, which is why the House investigation in the Oversight Committee from James Comer needs to continue because it is starting to have, I believe, substantial impact in the way that it is uncovering criminal conspiracy and collusion and cover-up, all right? So that is all of my analysis right now of the special counsel, and I'll just point out to all of you that I said this is exactly what would happen if Judge Noriega had the willingness to apply the law as she should and refuse to rubber stamp this uh, agreement between the Department of Justice and Hunter Biden, which I believe was total garbage and a sweetheart deal. And remember, they weren't just giving him no punishment for past actions. They were also letting him know that there were going to be no consequences going forward for any of that criminal behavior from Hunter Biden as a part of the Biden crime family. All of this is significant. All of this is easily documented. You can look it up yourself if you doubt me. Uh, Again, Joe Biden and the Biden crime family makes Richard Nixon and Watergate, makes Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky, makes everything alleged against Donald Trump, the credible allegations, that is, look like jaywalking. Biden is, I believe, based on the evidence, far more of a criminal actor than either Nixon, Clinton, or Trump were, beyond a shadow of a doubt. All right, several other things that are out there. Um, I want to tell you, this Penn Barstool ESPN deal 
is really fascinating to me. Uh, and I want to look into this. Um, there now, as I am speaking to you, the stock market has closed and Penn is near a multi-year low uh, as it pertains to its stock price. Penn stock price is now lower than it was three years ago, basically before they went out almost and bought Barstool in the first place. Uh, it was lower, obviously, during COVID when everything fell apart. Uh, but when they announced the Barstool deal, Penn stock was $37.80. That was around, that was right after they announced the Barstool deal. That was right around the Super Bowl uh, that was played in Miami, right before everything shut down for COVID. $37.80 in February of 2020. As I speak to you today, uh, Penn has now fallen to $23.50. Uh, now, look, I think the decision to buy Barstool was a smart one by Penn. Uh, I, I think that was a rational choice. I think they got a great asset. But now they've basically given away that asset. They took an $850 million write-off. Their stock is $14 and $15 cheaper than it was after the Barstool deal was announced and they're nearing a three-year-plus low. So if you bought Penn stock when they bought Barstool, you've lost 40% of your money just by sitting on it. Now, the stock price went way higher, and to be full disclosure, I bought Penn stock uh, at a low price uh, in March and April of 2020. I sold it years ago. I thought the stock market wildly overreacted uh, to COVID, as you guys well know, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. And I bought stock in everything. Uh, but here's what's going on. This is a desperate Hail Mary by ESPN and Penn. Uh, Penn, through Barstool, has ended up with at most around 5% of the overall gambling market. FanDuel is number one. DraftKings is number two. MGM is number three. And uh, Caesars is number four. And then there's a big drop-off, and there are a bunch of different brands out there fighting for fifth place, basically. So uh, the the top three, I think, have, and the, certainly the top four, 90% of the sports gambling market. So Penn is now panicked because they thought they were going to have a more substantial share of the overall gambling market, and they're now throwing $1.5 billion dollars up to $2 billion to ESPN in a desperate hope that ESPN bet is somehow going to make them more relevant. Meanwhile, ESPN, as a part of Disney, is just collapsing. And I think what's going on here is ESPN is like five years behind the market. If they really wanted to get involved in sports gambling, they should have done a deal five years ago now I think much of the market share is already set. I think ESPN bet is going to be a total bust. I think it's going to fail. And ESPN even thinks this, I believe, on some level because they're continuing to take money from other sports gambling companies. If this was an exclusive deal and ESPN was saying, hey, we're not going to take a dollar in advertising money from FanDuel, DraftKings, MGM, Caesars on any of our programming, I would say, okay, I can see they're trying to make up for lost time. They're not even doing that. They are basically desperate 
to make money while they can because the business is collapsing. And so they're taking $1.5 billion guaranteed over the next 10 years. And by the way, that's not even very much money. I mean, I'm just being honest. $150 million a year is not that much. For a licensing deal to allow the ESPN name to be used. And let me just say this. If you're a big believer in Barstool, why in the world would you want to spend your money gambling with ESPN? They wouldn't air Barstool. They regularly, ESPN, have attacked Barstool-branded products. Why in the world, if you're a huge Barstool person and you were loyal, which I respect, and you went and downloaded the app because you were loyal to the Barstool brand and to the talent that they have, why in the world would you now want to give your money to ESPN? I don't think that anybody's coming in. And if you're an ESPN viewer and you really want to gamble on sports, don't you probably, like me, where I live in Tennessee, have multiple different accounts and apps already on your phone to allow you to gamble if you are so desiring to do so? I think this is a desperate Hail Mary money grab from ESPN, and I think it's a desperate Hail Mary market share move by Penn because they're now writing off Barstool and giving it back to Portnoy for no money. I mean, credit to Dave. He sold the company, uh, and now the company is coming back to him. He got all the money for selling the company, and now he gets the control of the company back. That's a great deal for him. I don't begrudge him on that move at all. I think it's fantastic. Good for him. I'm in favor of creative people making as much money as they possibly can. But my goodness, what a disaster of a deal for Penn. So you bought Barstool. You allowed the business to grow. You're now writing off an $850 million investment, which basically means you spent $850 million to get around 5% of the gambling market, and now you're going to spend another billion and a half and up to $2 billion to try to desperately raise your market share going forward? This is malpractice from a business perspective. Your strategy was, we're going to bet on Barstool. Okay, I get it. You've run that business plan for three years, and then you abruptly decide, after spending hundreds of millions of dollars to buy Barstool, that you're just going to write off Barstool, and now you're desperately going to get in bed with ESPN? This is like two ugly, drunk people, something I know about, late at the bar, ending up hooking up with each other because they both got no better options. This is embarrassing if you're looking at it from a pen management perspective. Portnoy absolutely checkmated them, gets his business back, gets all of his money that you already paid to him, and he walks away with everything. Meanwhile, ESPN looks like a bunch of clowns because they're five years late to the party. ESPN has no brand loyalty. OutKick has better brand loyalty than ESPN. Nobody likes ESPN now. They watch it because it has the games. Barstool certainly has better brand loyalty than ESPN. If ESPN didn't have games, nobody would watch it. And now ESPN and Penn are desperate, and initially the stock market, the price increased. But I said from the get-go, go back and look at my tweets as soon as this news broke that it made no sense. 
And now it feels like the stock market is circling back around and they're like, wait a minute, this is a joke of a deal. This is a bad deal for Penn, good deal for Portnoy, and I think for the Barstool talent. They're the winners here, but ESPN is a huge loser. Penn is the biggest loser of all. What an embarrassing management move they have made, and what an embarrassingly late move uh, that Disney is making through ESPN. Remember, Bob Iger said we'll never be involved. This is just a desperate attempt to get more revenue on the books to help make the collapse of ESPN's business not look as bad. It's a pathetic, desperate move on both ends. That's my analysis of Penn, Barstool, and ESPN. Finally, three years ago today, some of you were watching and listening to me three years ago today on August the 11th. That was the day that the Big Ten said they wouldn't play college football in the fall of 2020. Instead, they said they were hoping to play in the spring of 2021. And I know a lot of you out there watching and listening right now actually found OutKick during this whole chaos of COVID because no sports media site and no sports media member fought harder for college football to be played than me. And I met a ton of Ohio State fans at our signing in Cleveland. I continue to meet Big Ten fans all over the country, and they keep coming up and saying, I found you, and I became a fan because you and your site fought harder for college football to be played than anyone in all of sports media. Now, a lot of players did. And I write about this. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, many others. A lot of coaches did. Greg Sankey is a hero for what he did. Again, there is a section in the book. It's also excerpted this week at the Daily Wire discussing that. But I cannot impress upon you enough how many people in sports media said it wasn't safe to play college football and a lot of players would die if we did it. Have any of them said a word of apology for all the lies they spread? If they had had their way, the Big Ten, the SEC, the Big 12, the ACC, the Pac-12, nobody would have played college football in 2020. No other sports would have gone on. Otherwise, it's a credit to those of us who fought as hard as we could, including many of you out there, parents of Big Ten players, Big Ten players, ACC, SEC, Big 12, Pac-12 players, all of you fought and refused to accept what happened three years ago. But I just want to remind you of what a dark day it was for those of us who wanted to return to normalcy and knew how important playing college sports was, that if they had had their way, the Big Ten would have forced everybody in college athletics to shut down. Remember, the Ivy League did it. It was indefensible. They were wrong. None of the media, none of the executives that tried to make this happen have publicly apologized for the biggest failure in any of our lives when it comes to trying to shut down sports. We didn't let it happen. We fought for you. OutKick was 100% right on this issue. I love all of you. Go buy the book. I guarantee you'll like it. There's also a 10-hour audio version of the book. And as I speak to you right now, you guys have been incredible not only in buying this book, buying the Kindle version of it, and also the audiobook version. I guarantee you're going to like it. 10 hours. You're going to be on the road. Go ahead and download it. I love all of you. Thanks for making this book a bestseller. Came out on Tuesday. What a week it's been. 
It's been wild. It's been crazy, but I love all of you. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. I am Clay Travis, and this has been Outkick the Show.